Hello everyone and welcome to the 10th episode of the World of Heritage podcast. My name is Nilufar and here with me is Stephanie. We are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the Brandenburg Technical University. We started this podcast as our study project for this semester, querying the narrative course held by our lecturer, Ms. Caitlin Williams. In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU Heritage community and we have the opportunity to talk to another one of our lovely flow students today, Bistrat Ingida. Bistrat is a third semester student of the World of Heritage Studies program. He was born and raised in Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a country on the African continent with a rich diversity of culture and nature. For his bachelor's degree, he studied architecture at the Adid Adaba Science and Technology University in Ethiopia. He was also selected for the dual degree with the Deakin University in Melbourne and went there last year. However, his semester abroad did not go the way he planned it. He also set up a small design firm with his fellow graduates in Ethiopia before he went abroad to pursue his postgraduate degree in World Heritage Studies at the BTU. Hello, Bisrad. Welcome and thanks for agreeing to talk to us today. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you. All right. Let's start with the first part of our questions. Bisrad, why did you decide to go with the architecture major for your bachelor's studies? I just knew I wasn't exactly sure about architecture. Whereas I just knew I, I didn't want to do the other classes. And so I wanted something from so a little bit of art and a little bit of science and engineering, mix that and you get architecture. So yeah, that's, that's why I got into architecture. When and how did you fall in love with the idea of studying World Heritage Studies? Uh, it wasn't World Heritage at first, it was generally heritage. So uh, in during my architecture years, while I was studying architecture, we had classes related with history of architecture and uh, heritage. That's when I really fell in love with heritage. I knew then that I'm not interested in new buildings or shiny cityscapes. I'm more interested into old architecture and looking after that. And that's how I really loved heritage. And through that, I got into the natural heritage, intangible. I got attracted to all of everything heritage. Bisrad, what country have you found the most impressive through your travelings? Ah. Impressive. I haven't been to many countries and the pandemic didn't make that happen. But out of the few countries I've been to, I think my favorite would be Australia by far. Uh, it's a beautiful country, no doubt. I haven't been to many places in Australia because, again, pandemic. But I really, really love the people there. It's they're really welcoming, really polite, really friendly, they're warm. I love that. Even through a pandemic. They made me feel welcome and that was really nice. If you would have to explain to someone not studying World Heritage Study what the program is about, what would you tell him or her? Uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> really, some days I find it hard to even understand it myself. How do I explain it to myself? It's really broad. It's a lot of things, but it's mostly looking after World Heritage, which is everyone's. It's not... It doesn't belong to a specific group, a specific country. It's everyone's heritage. And it's a way to look at the world as, as one continuous entity. It's not single. It's how you connect 
different heritage in different places belonging to different cultures and a way to look at it as, as one big picture. I think that's how I would describe world heritage. The time that you have decided to move to Germany to study Master of World Heritage Studies, what was your family's reaction toward your new plan? They didn't expect it, but more than the country, the, they didn't expect the, the master's program, World Heritage. My parents were like, what is this? What are you doing? Are you, are you sure? Are you sure you're not wasting your life? Shouldn't you do something related with architecture? And but I didn't have I didn't have to do much convincing. I just gave them the description of World Heritage Program from BTU, and they're like, "Okay, this this sounds cool." What cultural differences do you see between Germany and Ethiopia? There are quite a few. I can't. It's really hard to pick one. But one of the biggest shocks I had when I came was Sundays. On Sundays, everything is closed here. And the, the, my first weekend here, I remember, I didn't buy bread or milk. Or I didn't have anything to eat. I'm, I'm thinking, it's Sunday, I'll just go to the supermarket and I'll buy something. Imagine, I didn't know anyone, I can't ask anything, and I don't speak the language. So in my country, Sundays are shopping days. It's actually when the whole family goes out shopping, or you do your weekly groceries on Sundays. It's a very common... It's a, it's a shopping day and it's the complete opposite here. And I was, I was surprised with that. That was a shock I got, yeah. Thanks a lot, Bisrat, for your interesting answers. We will take a short break and we will come back with the second part of the podcast in just a second. Stay tuned. with asking Bisrat some more questions about moving to the new environment and his experiences so far. What do you like most about living in Cottbus? What do I like most about living in Cottbus? It has to be its, it's affordability. It's quite affordable. I like that. It's not too expensive and it's the best when you're a student, especially when you can't find a job like, like right now. It's, I like that. That's, that's probably the highlight of Living in Germany in East part of the country, what would you wish that the city of Cottbus would have that it doesn't have? Hmm, that's a tricky question. I would love to have a coastline here, but that's impossible. I love the ocean. <laughs> yeah. uh, what else would I... Really not much. Not much. It's okay. Cottbus is okay. What is your go-to restaurant in Cottbus? Oh, any donor, please. Donor. <laughs> I'm addicted to donor. I don't have a specific restaurant. I just go for donor. And I don't even, I'm not sure if I know how to act in a restaurant anymore. I've never, <laughs> I haven't been to a restaurant in a really long time. Bisrat, what was your favorite activity in Cottbus before pandemic? Oh, before pandemic, it's... In the warmer months, I used to go to the lake. I love water, so I used to chill there. But right now, I enjoy riding my bike in the bike paths in the forest. It's beautiful here, and it's the air is amazing. It's I love it. What do you think makes Cottbus so special? And what activities can you recommend to a first semester student just moving to Cottbus? What must dos or must sees are in the area? One of 
the best things about Cottbus is BTU. There's there's a little bit of life on campus. The other parts of the city can be quiet. And as someone who came from a very loud, chaotic, big city, Cottbus was very quiet for me at first. The campus, I, I liked the campus, especially before the pandemic. And after that, the, if someone is coming here, I, they really should see the pyramid, the Brandt Park. That's really nice. And all the walking and bike paths around Cottbus, the forests are beautiful. Just explore, go out. And that's my recommendation. When you were planning and preparing to come to Germany, was it difficult for you to find a flat in Cottbus? No, not really. I got lucky in that regard. It was quite straightforward. I just applied way in advance, and so I didn't struggle with finding accommodation. I just emailed Studentenwerk, and it wasn't that hard. So did you apply for the student apartment through an organization, or did you find the flat on WG gesucht, or where did you find it? I found it on the Studentenwerk uh, website directly. I followed the BTU website and this led me to the Studentenwerk website. I didn't have to look other places. I, I, I found the first place I applied there and I got it. I didn't really, I got lucky. Okay, moving from Cottbus to Melbourne. What was so special living in Melbourne, even though the pandemic happened? Where did you live? Ah, Melbourne, where do I begin? It's, it's, it's a beautiful place. My grandkids are going to hate me for talking about this over and over and over again. It's a really nice place. <laughs> I lived with the other dual program students. So it was the five of us. We got a place together. It's a five-room house. It was quite spacious. And that was our cave for the pandemic. So the five months we, we were there, we just lived together and we were just chilling there. Was it near the university campus or...? in another part of the city? Oh, no, it was across the city. It was uh, very near to the beach, but far from the campus. But it didn't matter anyways, because uh, classes at Deakin, they're mostly online, even before the pandemic. So it didn't really matter if you live close to the campus or not, because you only go to campus very few days. We had that in mind. Got to, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't mind getting a house far away. And then the pandemic began. And we were locked in that house for five months. Wasn't it possible to extend your semester and stay one semester longer in Australia? <laughs> no, it was not really possible because uh, the Australians are very strict to their visas. They only give you a very limited time and you can't, it's not easy to extend. And since officially our classes were to end in August, our deacon classes, we had no reason to be there. So that's why. And also Melbourne is a really expensive city. So if you don't have a scholarship, if, that, uh, if that's not extended to, you can't survive as a student. Yeah. Bistrat, what activities could you do during the lockdown in Melbourne? Could you at least go out sometimes to do a sport? Yeah, the lockdowns in Australia make the one in Germany a jo- look like a joke. It was very, very strict. You had to wear a mask, even to take out the trash, you don't, even if you don't go far. Only one person was allowed to go outside the house at the same time. So two of us cannot go out at the same time. And you're only supposed to shop at the nearest shop. You can't go to the... And there was a, a one or two kilometers radius where you can't go outside to exercise. 
But at some point, it was relaxed a little bit. I extended it to five kilometers. And during that time, I, I, I had a bike. I used to go to the beach almost every day. And I picked up a hobby of fishing. I never did that before. And yeah, that was a new hobby. Pandemic skill it developed. And <laughs> I made a lot of friends at the beach. Like, I had old men who were my friends. <laughs> that was nice. Do you have any special memory? Any specific thing? Uh, my old people friends. I never imagined I'll make 80-something-year-olds as my friends. That's my fishing friends. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. We will take a short break and come back soon with the third part of our podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the third and last part of our questions from Bistrad. What do you like the most about the program of Vortage Asia Studies? The thing I love the most would have to be the internationalities, the diversity in our class. I, I really, really love that. It's people from everywhere, literally everywhere, every continent is covered, every kind of profession. It's very diverse. And I don't think you can find that in many classes. I really love that. I learned a lot from all the people I met, so many cultures, so many languages. It's, I, that's what I love the best about our program. In your opinion, was the dual degree application difficult? Uh, the application for the dual program was not was not really difficult. Uh, you just had to take one more box when you applied for the for World Heritage, and you have to include uh, some ideas about wanting to be in the dual program in the application letter you had to write. So it wasn't really that complicated. No, you just had to be lucky to be picked. That's. Yeah. Okay. Bistrad, what challenges did you face with your semester abroad? Semester abroad, uh, well, besides the pandemic, I think that's for everyone. It's, the visa process was quite stressful for Australia, especially when you're from an African country. That, they had special rules. If you're from the EU, it's a lot more simpler. I had to, it was a lot more steps and a lot more expensive for me. And, a uh, funny story, I had to go to Athens to get a picture and to give my fingerprint as if camera photo, like cameras don't exist in Germany. <laughs> when you went to um, Athens then, to Greece, did you have some time to spend there as well? Did you go on vacation or did you just fly over? One night, one night, just one night. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have, I had the exams and assignments, it was very busy last winter semester here so it was a funny so I went there I got there in the afternoon I at least I got to see the, the Acropolis uh, at least that's yeah. oh, the next morning I had I went to the visa processing place had my picture taken my fingerprint and I'm done in 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> at least you could see the Acropolis then yes yes I have no regrets uh, yeah <laughs> What was your favorite subject so far at the BTU and Deacon? Hmm, that is a tough one. My favorite one. I really loved uh, heritage conservation with Leo Schmidt. It was a really cool class. And I like the one I'm taking now, uh, tourism. 
Tourism is also really nice. Guys. Personally, I like those two from uh, BTU and from Deakin. It's really hard to choose because the classes are really interesting and the way they do it online is it's really smooth. I like it. But if I had to pick one, it it would be the study project I'm doing right now. It's uh, virtual representations of Port Arthur. It's a World Heritage Site in Australia. So yeah, it would be the study project I'm doing right now. So you are doing your study project online this semester. Is it also with Deakin or you are doing it with BTU? Yes, I'm doing my study project. It's a special case. Normally, after we come back to BTU, we're done with the with stuff from Deakin. But because of the pandemic and since everything is online anyways, they offered us to do uh, a study project in Deakin this semester. And I took it up because I really liked the topic. So normally you don't have it. We, I wasn't supposed to do it now, but I got lucky because of uh, these crazy circumstances. And I'm glad I like it. And how was the preparation procedure for getting to the Deacon, did you receive many support and help from BTU team? Uh, the preparations were uh, mostly for the visa, not for the study thing. Administrative procedures for Deacon, the, the university handles itself. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just a visa that was quite stressful, but that was okay too. And BTU was, yeah, they were helpful. What would you do differently now regarding your studies? What would I do different now? Can, I, can you explain that a bit more? Yes. Would you take other classes, or would you um, would you like to, if you if you would have the chance, would you like to go to Australia now in the next winter semester, if possible, or do you want to take other classes which you couldn't take because you already have your credits, or are you, yeah, stuff like that? I'm quite happy with the classes I took. I have no regrets. I, I took exactly what I wanted. But about going to Australia. The next winter semester, I of course, I would have preferred to be in Australia when the pandemic is not a thing because I would have loved to travel around Australia. We don't really live Melbourne much. It's only a little bit. So the only thing I would change is going to Australia without the pandemic. And funny thing, there was a fire before the pandemic. We got there. <laughs> We got there right after the fire ended, and you can see many trees burnt down right outside Melbourne. And we thought the fire was the biggest thing of the year. No, no, it was not. Okay, great. Coming back to the third semester, you will be finished with it soon. Do you have any plan for your fourth semester? Are you going to continue your study project with Deakin for your master thesis or how does it work? Can you do your thesis with Deakin University? For my fourth semester, I'm, I'm, I'm really confused about what I want to do for this because it's really hard to plan nowadays. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of making plans. <laughs> Really, I'm not even planning ahead a week because it's really uncertain. It's really hard to know what's happening. But if everything goes as planned, and that's a big if. I'm planning to do an internship before starting my thesis because I'm not exactly sure what I want to do for my thesis. I don't want to do a mediocre thesis. I want it to be something that really matters. And I want to do it on a site in my home country. I haven't been back home since I left. So I want to go there, do an internship for some time and kind of figure out how the heritage sector is working there because I don't have much idea right now. And then I want to start my, 
my thesis and about uh, Deacon. So the thesis for the dual program, it's, uh, it's supervised by both the BCU and the Deacon staff. So we choose one main supervisor from uh, from BTU and one from Deacon and they evaluate it together and they grade it separately but we only do one thesis so that's how it works. I know it's really tough to think into the future a little bit more but um, if you do what do you want to do after graduation? Do you want to move back to Ethiopia, stay in Germany or move somewhere else? And what would be like, where would you would like to work in a museum, in a tourism organization, in a governmental organization, or just in a normal company? Uh, yes, I agree with you. It's really hard to make a plan at this time. <laughs> it's really, really hard. What I want is, I want to go back home. I've always wanted to go back home. There's so much to do. If you don't know much about Ethiopia, you should do your research. It's a really interesting country in Africa. It's, Unlike anything else, there's so much to do regarding heritage. The built heritage, natural heritage, intangible, there's everything there and not much has been done about it. So I want to do something there. But I'm all, I might also get back into architecture in the long term, not your regular architecture, heritage related uh, architecture practice. I want to do a little bit of tourism. I know I, I sound like I want everything, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I'll make it work, trust me. One day I'll make it, I'll connect all of them. But I don't know how now. Thank you so much. So we are already with the last question. We want to know what is your favorite World Heritage site that you want to introduce to us? Aren't they all impressive? Aren't they why they World Heritage site? I know what you're trying to say though. It's, uh, I've been to quite a few after joining this program. Uh, oh god this is this is tough okay if i had to choose one and it had to be a built heritage site it would be lalibala it's in ethiopia it's one of the first world heritage sites in the world it's one of the first on the list it's a rock in here a rock heaven church so they carved it out of a single rock and the church is like one solid rock it's it's amazing look it up so if I had to choose one, I would choose that, I guess, because it's quite impressive. Thanks a lot, Bistra, for answering all our questions. It was such a pleasure to see you. Very informative to learn about all these different experiences, especially in Australia that you had. We, yeah, we really enjoyed listening to your stories. Hope the pandemic will be over soon so we would be able to see you in person. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you guys too. And yes, I hope the pandemic is over and I hope to meet everyone again. Thanks also to you guys for listening to the 10th episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Bisrat. Also, if you haven't listened to the nine other episodes yet, you definitely have to do so. Furthermore, if you want to see more about the podcast, you can also follow us on Instagram. The name of our Instagram page is The World of Heritage. We would also appreciate your feedback. For our next episode of the World of Heritage podcast, we will talk to Emilia. Emilia is a former World Heritage Study student and graduated from the university not long ago. Therefore, we are really looking forward to ask her some questions about her thesis, planning, her overall feedback, etc. If you're interested in sharing your story on our podcast, feel free to contact us. You can find our email address in the description box. Thanks again for listening and stay safe. See you!